Hello, everyone. Your host, Caleb Masters, here. And two things. Firstly, thank you so much for tuning into our 2021 Oscar special. Second thing, the audio for today's recording came back a little differently than the audio capturing experience through Zencaster really seemed at the time. So the audio quality may differ from what you're used to hearing in our show, particularly on our special guest and um, just again, due to some technical difficulties uh, that occurred with the software we were using. I apologize for this inconvenience and I hope you can get past this uneven audio quality and enjoy the show. everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com. Your home to thoughtful conversations on film. Today, we will be talking about this Sunday night's big game night for Hollywood. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. I can't believe it. The Oscars in 2021 are finally happening. I mean, really, they're finally happening. We had to wait an extra couple of months for them to, to actually occur because there were not enough movies to hand awards to. I kid, I kid. But yeah, we are here to talk about the 2021 Oscars uh, this week. Um, we're going to be just diving into our predictions uh, for what to expect in the show, what will win, what we would like to see win instead. Uh, and hey, it's going to be a little weird this year being in the post-COVID uh, reality. So it's going to be interesting. And to join us for this Oscars prediction show, we have to bring back, we have to uphold the tradition, I should say, of Oscars predictions with our friend, uh, Laron Chapman, you people, writer, director, producer, filmmaker here in Oklahoma. Laron, so good to see you. Welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic. Man, it's really good to be back. Um, it, it does feel like it's been ages, but... I mean, thankfully, during this pandemic, we had the comfort of a lot of films available on streaming for us to watch, um, a lot of those being these Oscar-nominated films. So I'm very excited to talk about That's right. We have some great movies to talk about. We have... No, I would just say some great movies to talk about. We'll get into impressions here in a moment, but, you know, hey, this, this is looking like a pretty... Pretty outstanding lineup of films uh, nominated this year. So now before we jump into our conversation here, uh, I do want to remind you listeners that if you enjoy the conversation Leron and I have today, we encourage you to head on over to your preferred podcast app, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's Google Play, whatever your preferred podcast app is, maybe it's Spotify. Please make sure to either follow or subscribe and then leave us a rating and a review. Uh, that really at this point in the game is the best, most effective way to support the show. All right. Now, Laron, it has, as we just noted, it's been a hot minute. How, how are you doing in this 20, world of 2021? Um, I think the word is adjusting, you know. Um, it's, one of those, it's one of those Twilight Zone eras that we're living through. And, you know, we're all flying by the seat of our own, you know, pants. And I just think that, you know, this is it's something that it's unprecedented. So... We're taking it with stride as things come. So, but in a nutshell, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good now. Now that I'm fully vaccinated and ready to go back out into the world and start, you know, experiencing life and watching more films with audiences this time. Yes, most definitely, uh, Lauren. I'm right there with you. Fully vaccinated by actually Oscar Sunday is my full vaccination date. So I had 
set two weeks after my second shot of good old Pfizer. So I am right there with you. I'm super excited to get back to watching movies in a theater. Uh, as I like to say, uh, go to church on Sunday morning, my church being uh, the movie theater. So, uh, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to that communal experience, uh, bumping into friends like yourself at the same movie that we just happen to walk into at the same time frequently um, for those post-film chats. And of course, doing more podcasts like this, hopefully very, very soon face-to-face. Um, now, 2020, of course, was obviously a wild year, and it left many of the, the usual suspects off the table in terms of major studio films being nominated. I'm not saying there were zero studio films nominated. I'm saying that it was a, a definitely a different playing field than normal this year, with not as many major tentpole films getting released. Uh, I imagine with a lot of these marketing budgets towards the Oscar films being cut, And it really sort of provided an opportunity for a lot of these indie films or films that previously might not have gotten the type of uh, buzz or attention, an opportunity to go run toe-to-toe with the big dogs. So, I mean, that's sort of my take, LaRon, about how this year's different from an awards perspective. How do you think what we experienced last year has impacted the films nominated? Well, I think you put uh, hit the nail on the head there. I think the real, the most exciting thing to come out of this is that these indie films are finally getting audiences, you know, or at least the audiences they deserve. You know, every year we see films that you and I have seen or have heard about, you know, a handful of people may have. Um, but generally speaking, we're not viewed by a larger mass of an audience. And I think that what this has done is basically repurposed that in a way and made them available to people. So audiences are watching films that they probably ordinarily would not have gone to see or had a chance to because they just they're consuming content and when the content is available as many of these films have been on streaming services they're actually getting a chance to participate in this process you know and actually um you know go into the oscars as more informed viewers as we normally are so i think it's exciting i think it's and it's an exciting time to be an independent filmmaker um you know in that respect so yeah, I think it's helped. I helped. It's helped those indie filmmakers, and it's kind of humbled the studio filmmakers. Let's put it that way. Well, most definitely. I mean, just looking at the best picture nominees, for example, like the biggest studio films were Judas and the Black Messiah and Mank. Like, I mean, I guess. Oh, and Trial of the Chicago Seven, right? Netflix films, but like it. These are not like these are like any other year. These would actually probably be the smaller fish in the pond rather than like, you know, in terms of the things getting the push. But this year, these are, these are the quote unquote big studio films that are leading the pack. Um, and again, of course, sound of metal is an Amazon produced film. I don't want to take away from the fact that most of these films are still bankrolled by major studios, but these are like the films that are typically like really released, um, in, in a much more quiet way that, are often drowned out by larger, you know, studio blockbusters, for example. So, uh, yeah, different playing field. I mean, overall, Lorana, what did you make of this year's nominations? Were you, were you pleased? Um, this is the most pleased I've been with the nominations in quite some time. You know, that was I woke up to the Oscars that morning, the Oscar nominations that morning, and was surprised to see just the widespread diversity, both from um, ethnicity. Um, We've seen there's multiple people of color from different, all different races. Um, and also to see two women nominated for director that we've been asking for this for years. Um, this year, there was probably four or five viable options for it and two of the deserving ones got nominated. So that was, it was just really nice to see, um, 
to see the Oscars reflect, you know, the full scale of, of, of filmmakers, you know, um, and not just one demographic or one, one type of movie. So, um, I think it was, I was really pleased with them. Yeah, no, I'm on that same page with you. I mean, the, the, the diversity we saw and the nominees, uh, and again, just looking at even stuff like best adapted screenplay, Borat's getting an Oscar nominated Borat film, uh, you know, like, uh, we, we, we got, of course, uh, Minari, which, uh, was a film that was, Hey, uh, filmed here, right here in our home state of Oklahoma, really getting a lot of love. Uh, so I just, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I would say that like it, it took a pandemic to get us there, but, uh, like a lot of those really big budget films that uh, sat on the sideline really allowed diverse filmmakers to have more of a voice or a seat at the, the Oscars table this year. Absolutely. One of the things I want to call out here is Apple has entered the fray, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I'm not saying they're they're sweeping the floors, but Apple has a nomination uh, Greyhound for Best Sound and then Wolfwalkers for Best Animated Film. So, uh, you know, a few years ago, we got Netflix entering the mold. We've got an Amazon who's trying to bet bigger on the Oscars. And now welcome another streaming service, Apple I guess just Apple TV, I guess Apple TV plus, whatever. Uh, welcome to the Oscars. Um, more streaming services, less studio films. Again, wild year. Uh, so, Laurent, I guess last question I would it's sort of I want to just touch on before we, we dive into the nominations this year. It's been a very interesting year for award shows. I and listen, there's not like a great solution, but I'm just being transparent. There's not a great solution. Each of the approaches I've seen, whether it's the Emmys or the Grammys, like it, they've all been different, and some of them have worked much better than others. I, like, what are you expecting to see, in like the from a format perspective and even from a show perspective at the Oscars this year? I'm hoping some hybrid of them. I agree with you. There's been, I, in particular, the the Grammys that just you know that wasn't too long ago. I actually like the approach they use quite a bit. The more relaxed approach, it felt like the Golden Globes all over again. Now, the Golden Globes this year, I thought, um, uh, went kind of poorly. Um, and I, it was very impersonal. So I hope as far away from whatever they did with that ceremony, ceremony is what we get at the Oscars this year. And I think given, um, you know, where we are as a country, you know, with uh, vaccinations, with all of, you know, with the temperament being, you know, a little bit different from where we were a year ago. Um, that we'll be in a place where we'll see more interactive, like more faces, more like, in-person, you know, interviews, more in-person speeches, you know. So um, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm hoping that it's more of the of the latter for sure. Yeah, definitely. I I, I kind of like the touch we saw. I think it was the Emmys in the fall, like so much earlier. They actually had the awards like delivered to the, the people, which is kind of bizarre. I don't even want to think about the logistics of that, but, uh, and maybe it was, it was possible it was staged, but they somehow made it at least appear that the winners didn't know they were winning until they won, but then they got the trophy like handed to them. Um, you know, there was a lot of different creative approaches to that. I kind of like that touch. Um, I would love for us to avoid muting Daniel Kalula uh, on a zoom call when he's trying to give a very important speech. Uh, let's avoid that please. Um, yes. You know, there was, uh, gosh, was it the Golden Globes? I think it was the Golden Globes. Really, what I think one of the cool ideas, again, listeners and Laurent, correct me if I'm off base. I think they were the one who would cut to like the people in the breakout rooms, like in between the commercial breaks. I really like that idea. They just totally like 
messed up the execution. I thought it'd be kind of cool if you have all the nominees in a room talking to each other and you just kind of cut to them having like these, like being a fly on the wall conversations, even if like 15 seconds or something in between, you know, going to and from commercial. I really like that idea, but like, apparently those people from what I understand, uh, did not understand that they were in breakout rooms that were being aired on television. So they were all really kind of awkward and weird. Yeah, for sure. It was like they were, there were some growing pains for sure with that particular ceremony. I agree. And, but it is, it is interesting. And I, I'm, I'm hoping again that we can get to a place where we're that with the traditional vibe that we're used to, you know, seeing it because the whole, the whole beauty of these ceremonies is, is the, is the surprise, you know, the surprise of the winners, the surprise of reactions. So when it feels rehearsed or it's pre-recorded or it has any of that, that touch to it, then it kind of takes away from why we watch these, these award ceremonies to begin with. And it is to get candid moments from the stars um, as they're accepting these awards. So mm-hmm. one, one thing uh, I'll throw out there too. And I think I've said this before on somewhere on the cinematic schematic. I can't remember if it was an Oscar show or what, uh, you know, it's not, film or television, but the video game awards do a, and I'm not saying that that show is perfect by any means, but I will say in terms of the virtual experience, uh, did a lot of really, really cool stuff. They were even able to incorporate like their orchestra, like this, which has been one of the staples of of that show for the last few years. But, uh, so I don't know. I really feel like, (laughs) I I don't know. Gaming's obviously a totally different media and and, and whatnot, but I was like, Hey, there's some, that was in December, and I was like, "There's." I feel like they did it pretty well. I mean, I would say it's the one I walked away feeling the least frustrated slash confused slash uncomfortable by. Um, yeah. That I, you know, again, we'll we'll see if anyone in Hollywood's paying attention, but I think there's definitely uh, some ideas that they could they could grab for there. Okay, so what we're what we're saying here is it's going to be weird, and we're not sure what to expect. <laughs> exactly, definitely the 2021 Oscars. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. LeBron, we're going to move into nominations. Uh. Last thing. Just got to leave it here. Can you believe it was last year's show that Bong Joon-ho swooped in and cleaned up and we all wanted it to happen, but didn't believe it would actually happen? That was the last year's ceremony. I feel like we've lived 10 lifetimes since then, right? Yeah, for sure. I've been living in that basement, the basement of that house this entire time. <laughs> so, um, no, it's no, it's yeah, it was it was mind blowing. And I mean, obviously, well deserved, but t- completely unexpected. It was kind of the like that'll never happen. Man, wouldn't it be cool? And then it happened, and so it was hard to really process it. So, I'm hoping for a surprise this year. Some surprises this year. Um, you know, I don't feel like we have a parasite among the nominees in terms of like one that just needs to win for any particular reason. Uh, great films, I think, across the board. But you know, it'd be nice for a couple of upsets in areas that we're not expecting. You know, so. Most definitely. Yeah, I would uh, I would echo those sentiments. Uh, there's not like that one movie that I'm just like the the true underdog that we're rooting for to take home everything. Uh, it, it really is a, a vast array here. So let's go ahead and jump on into the nominations. And all right. So listeners, if you're if you're making notes, you're planning your ballot. Now is the time you got to really like lean in and pay attention because we are going to start with best adapted screenplay. So the nominations for best adapted screenplay are Borat subsequent movie film. Still can't believe that. Uh, the father nomadland one night in Miami or white, sorry, the white tiger. So LaRon Chapman, two questions here. What, <laughs> mo- what movie should win as in the LaRon Chapman choice and what movie will win? You know, 
you know, my 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 heart wants to say uh, that Borat subsequent movie film should get it just so that we can look back years later and and talk about how it won the Oscar that night and no one anticipated on it. But then, you know, the more artistic part of me um, wants to go with the film that I think in particular that um, has all the momentum here, I think is Nomadland. Um, uh, but that being said, you know, if I had a preference, I would be going with The Father because I, you know, after recently seeing that in theaters, I just felt like from a screenplay standpoint, it was a stage play before this that it was the first time where I, the point of view of a person going through dementia felt like a horror story. And it's not just the sympathetic, you know, uh, bystander that's seeing somebody that's going through it. And we're sympathetic because it's really their point of view, but it's, it's through the lens, you know, of uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins character and the disorientation that you feel um, and ourselves questioning whether what we just saw was real or was it imagined, you know, and it really puts into perspective what it's like to go through that trauma. And I just thought that that was, it was just brilliantly executed as a piece of writing. So that would be my personal choice for it. But if I was to guess which one should get it, I think the momentum here is with Nomadland. So the Laurent Chapman, Chapman should win is the father. The will win is Nomadland. Okay. All right. So you and I are on the same page about what will win. I think Nomadland here has tons of momentum. I think it could actually, we'll see the jury's out, but I I feel like Nomadland has the possibility of walking out of this show with the most awards. So I think Chloe Zhao has a really, really good shot. If she doesn't win director, I would be shocked if she doesn't win best adapted screenplay. And vice versa. She might lose screenplay and win director. So I think I think those are both two highly possible outcomes. So if I'm hedging my bets here, I'm saying Nomadland will win. Uh, should win. I thought, speaking of play uh, adaptations of plays, One Night in Miami. That was a really moving movie. Really powerful movie. Uh, a really upsetting, sad movie in some ways. Because it's like, hey, they're talking about the same stuff in the 60s that we're talking about today. Sure, there's like some nuances that are a little different, but it's like it just kind of makes you think how why? I mean, especially coming off of 2020, a year where there were a lot of protests and this was really something in, on top of mind, uh, you know, it really, really made you reflect on, wow, these guys fought for a lot of stuff and they made huge impacts, but how successful those impacts were in fulfilling their vision fell short in a lot of ways. Um, that said, the movie is really celebrating their contributions to our culture. Um, and also, uh, again, speaking as a non-member of the African-American black community, as uh, a, a white dude, uh, it was really interesting to hear people within that community, those characters really talk to each other about race and what that means to them you know what is the right way and the wrong way to approach these things i found all that to just make for some really really um great character work uh loved the acting loved the writing again it felt like a sort of like a stage play so that is my preferred pick for should win one night miami by kent powers but nomadland i think is going to take home the gold so let's move on to original screenplay so in original screenplay, we've got Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, The Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Now, Laron, I feel like 
anytime Aaron Sorkin shows up, he's like the 800 pound gorilla, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, but at the same time, I feel like this is a really outstanding category. Like, I think yes. all of these are A. So tell me, wh- who do you think should win? So the LaRon Chapman choice and who will actually get the trophy? You know, this is interesting. This is a good group of films, a strong group of films. And I, I agree um, that Aaron Sorkin um, at the early part of this year, I would have said was a slam dunk that he would be uh, taking home the trophy for this award. But as the year has pressed on, because um, you can expect things from Sorkin, you know, you know, he has this, these witticisms and these long monologues and they're all eloquently, you know, executed. But I think that um, as the year has chugged on and as conversations, you know, surrounding a lot more social issues have kind of kind of been the forefront of our culture for quite some time. I think that Emerald Fennell's Promising Young Woman will be the surprise win of the night. Um, and I think it's actually deserving of it. I think it's a very insightful uh, Me Too era script. I think it encompasses all the anxieties in, in a really creative um, and innovative way um, to talk about sexual assault towards women. Um, and I think that um, it would be um, surprising with it having just won the the uh, Writers Guild Award, the top award in this category for original screenplay, to see it go any other way. Um, but if it was up to me, I would actually choose uh, Promising Young Woman. So I think this is a should win and will win Promising Young all right. Ron is all in on Promising Young Woman. So I, you know, man, I'm so torn. I do think Promising Young Woman is going to win. So I think if I, if I, if I was hedging my bets and, and you were actually making a ballot in which you wanted to, you know, win, I would, I would put it on Promising Young Woman. I think that I would love to see Sound of Metal uh, get a win. I think it was a strong screenplay, but you know what? I think the movie that's going to stick with me the longest is going to be promising young woman, even though I feel like the ending is um, not, it's not flawless, but it's again, it's impactful. So you know what? Give it points for impact. I'll also be all in with you. Laron promising young woman, very timely, uh, really clever, sharp writing. Um, I, yeah, I think it, it definitely has all of the momentum coming off of like the, the different guild awards. So I think uh, Emerald Fennell, Making a splash, which is a lot of a lot of fun because you and I just, you know, over the, you know, since we'd seen the movie, we're both like, I don't think the Academy is going to go for it. We don't think it's going to go for this movie, but we were, we were wrong. Yeah. Um, so promising a woman for best original screenplay. Now let's move on to best cinematography. So the nominations for best cinematography are Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, Nomadland or the trial of the Chicago seven. Oh, Laron, another really strong category. Uh, what, what's your take on this? So I think there's only three films here that I think have, um, that I would say the cinematography is in the forefront of, of something that you would recognize or remember from the film. And I think that's Nomadland is the world in make, um, because visuals are very important in all three of those films. But, I honestly think this is a, a slam dunk again for uh, Nomadland. Um, it is probably the most beautiful film I've seen in, in the last 10 years. And I think that it just has, and that's one of the things that I, that stuck with me is I think every, every scene in that film 
is a snapshot. You know, it looks like it could be on a postcard somewhere. Um, and that space and, you know, this, this kind of, you know, well-worn terrain that she's, the character is kind of, um, on this, this, this spiritual odyssey of sorts, um, is very much, it's also a very much a travelogue of what it's like to live out in that space, you know, all the time. Um, and so I think that Nomadland is probably the strongest contender in this category. So I'm going to say should and will win Nomadland. It's going for Nomadland. Okay. I am going to differ. I think that Mank is going to win. I think Mank really excels in like three or four things. Not my favorite movie of last year. Not even like a top 10 movie for me last year. But I do think there were things that stuck out to me. One of them was the cinematography for sure. So I actually think that has the best shot at winning. That said, I mean, Nomadland, again, like Laurent, your point, is a very distinct part of that movie. Um, So I would say should win Nomadland. But... I wouldn't put it past them to give it to, to Mank. I think that's fair. So let's move on to best sound. We're going to, we're going to pick up with Apple's uh, <laughs> best sound, which by the way, uh, Laron, uh, they, did they, did they actually narrow down be- best sound is now one category, right? Yeah, I was little, I was doing that when I was going through the categories is noticing that they normally had sound editing and it's just all encompassing sound goes to one group. And I thought that, in a way, I, that makes sense, you know, um, and it also makes it easier, you know, to narrow things down because sometimes when you have the nuance of like editing versus mixing, like if you're not a technical person, you don't, you can't distinguish the difference between those two, even though they are. Um, so I think grouping them and conflating them in that way, just saying like which film used employed sound the best in the film. Um, and so if you're, if, if I was to look at this category, I would go with the film that has sound in the title. <laughs> you know? um, not just because of that. Uh, it's not a cheat sheet. I think the sound, they, the way sound is used in Sound of Metal is really extraordinary. And, and similar to um, the way that um, the father kind of puts us in the place of, being, of going through dementia through the lens of the main character, this really teaches us what it's like to have a hearing disability you know, um, as close as we can get as an audience um, to understanding, you know, the horrific experience of having lost your sound and what living life through that point of view is like. And I think that Sound of Metal is, is just so innovative in the way you sound that I, I can't imagine anything else in this category. Definitely. So uh, I jumped ahead here. So the nominations were Greyhound, Mank, News of the World, Soul, and then Sound of Metal. And yeah, I'm aligned with Laurent on this one. Should win and will win Sound of Metal. No brainer. Uh, I think it's the mo- it's the the biggest innovator of sound. They have to they're the really most creative, and uh, requires uh, I think the, mo- the the sharpest edge in deploying. You know, having to think through when to use sound and how. So Sound of Metal also has my vote there. Uh, so let's move on, Laurent. Best original song. Okay, I actually am totally clueless on this one this is a tough one so the nominations are fight for you from judas and the black messiah i uh, hear my voice from the trial of the chicago seven i oh goodness who's <laughs> listen you'll see it's a you'll see you'll see your eurovision sound by the way the oscar nominated eurovision sound contest um <laughs> 
Um, uh, low C, uh, the life ahead, and then speak now from one night in Miami. So, LeBron, I know this is a category we we often talk about as being an underrated category. W- what do you make? Which of these is going to take home the gold? So the ones that I would say, I mean, just giving an educated guess here, um, you'll see from the life ahead. Uh, I've, I've listened to it on its own and at the, in the end credits of the film itself on Netflix. Uh, it was a really beautiful song, and it did win, I believe, it won the Golden Globe. Um, so it does have momentum in that regard. Um, but I, as the weeks have pressed on, I think that Leslie Odom's Speak Now for One Night in Miami which is also a great song. Um, I think with him having um, having a nomination for uh, supporting actor um, has a little bit of momentum here, where he's kind of um, you know in this in this respect, you know that he's he's favored in some regard. And this song is the only one I've seen performed live on several um, uh, campaign trails um, and, and late night shows. So I think it's the one that most people have actually heard. And so if, if I'm going with what makes practical sense in that regard, I would say speak now for Leslie Odom um, as being the one that probably will win. But it would be really nice. Diane Warren has been to the Oscars, I believe, almost seven times now and has lost each time. So it would be nice to see her finally sneak the gold in here. But um my better judgment is telling me uh Leslie Owen speak now for one night. Okay, all right. Uh so I think Speak Now should win. That was my favorite uh after listening to all the songs though. Again, shout out to Eurovision Song Contest for getting a squeezing a nomination in there. I always like it when those random ones may, may make it in. But uh I am gonna throw this and this again is me throwing something at the wall guys usually i'm a little more informed but this year this this category i have no clue i'm saying hear my voice from trial to chicago seven daniel pemberton uh up and coming you know musician that i really really like he's been doing a bunch of uh scores recently so you know hey i'm gonna throw that out there that's based off of absolutely no research i i my gut's not even strong one way or the other but i i do think speak now is my favorite of the bunch I'm going to say, Will win, darts at the dartboard, hear my voice. You want to live dangerously, and that's okay. You, you're allowed to do that. <laughs> I'm going to live dangerously, Laurent. This is the year to do it. Right, so, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Let's move on to one of my favorite and more underrated categories, best original score. And can I just say, Justice for the Five Bloods. We didn't even mention how this movie was totally. That's I. I actually was very happy with the nominations. We're not going to go on this tangent too far, but needless to say, the Five Bloods, uh, the latest Spike Lee movie from Netflix, one of my very favorite movies of last year. I mean, almost totally shut out, uh, except for we did get the best original score nominations uh, for the Five Bloods. Terrence Blanchard. Oh man, Dor- Delroy Lindo though. Oh come on. Yeah. Another one. Gosh, yeah, definitely. That was a big uh, snub. Uh, so the nominations are The Five Bloods uh, from Terrence Blanchard and then Mank from Trent, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Rosk. Minari oh, from Emily Missouri. I think I uh, butchered that name. I think it might be French. Uh, News of the World by James Newton Howard and then Soul also by Trent Reznor, Atticus Rosk and then John Batiste. So, Laurent, 
Yes. Reveal what 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 lies in the crystal ball. Who will win best original score? Gosh, you know, there's only one of those scores. I think all of them are decent, um, but there's only one of those scores that that made me want to rewatch the film and want to listen to it again. And just, um, and that was soul. And I think that soul, um, you know, has a lot of momentum right now. It's, it seems like it's winning on all of the award ceremonies leading up to the Oscars. I also think it's the, one of the most innovative uh, scores we've had in quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So my heart, you know, just because of uh, the five bloods being such, so shut out of this, I would not be, completely upset if that was if it took home a little bit of love in one category but i i think that it's a safe bet to go with soul as they should and will win for this category i tend to agree on both counts here's my big question though trent Reznor, anarchist ross nominated twice possibly split their vote right we've seen we've seen people like amy adams for example lose because she was double nominated and it split the vote and she they didn't get enough votes to win and then a dark horse snuck its way in there do you, or do you think, or do you just think Soul is going to be that far and away a winner? I think it's the favorite amongst the five, um, but that is a, a very interesting, um, you know, an interesting point. Um, I would say it's possible, but not probable. Okay, okay, I'm with you all the way. I, I I'm just playing a little devil's advocate here, listeners. Uh, I think Soul's got this one in the bag, slam dunk, because yeah, it's a great score. And here's what's great. This is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing a Pixar film score. And like, Ron, to what you were saying here, it's actually really innovative. I've listened to it several times, several times since I watched the movie. And it's like really soothing. They're doing some really cool stuff, but it still feels distinctly like them, but also not like anything we've heard them do before. So that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. And it's also really exciting that it's for, I mean, I don't know how often animated films scores, you know, fall into this category. So it's exciting that an animated film is, is the front or allegedly the front runner, you know, in this category. So I think it's exciting for that as well. Just, just, just for something different in this, in this category. So, um, but yeah, I think it was probably, um, you know, again, one of the most innovative scores we've had in, in a long time, especially for animated movies. Definitely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, place your bets. Soul is going to take home the gold. So let's move on to best film editing. Uh, now, the nominations here are The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, The Sound of Metal, or The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Laron Chapman, who will win, should win. So... This is an interesting category. If I had to go with the one that I thought where the editing was employed the best, I would say the the trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, it's the most that it's the most where things are happening, you know, in multiple different spaces where um, where they're they're employing the editing in a, in a different in a different way um, and using a lot of technique. But I think that this is another one of those categories where the sound of metal. Um, seems to be, you know, praised for its technical prowess, you know, that, um, that we'll see the momentum go in its way. So, um, I feel like probably should win, um, is the trial of the Chicago seven, but probably will win is the sound of metal. Okay. Okay. I will differ here. I'm going to say would, will win, should win the trial of the Chicago seven. And here's why guys, courtroom dramas, there's not a lot of action in them. But here's what's really, really important for courtroom dramas. Big monologues, understanding 
where everyone's at, reaction shots, and uh, they say monologues already. Epic monologues. If I, but you know what? If I already said it, it's got to be get a you got to nail those. Those are like super duper important. Triple so if you're watching an Aaron Sorkin courtroom drama. So I think this movie it has an incredible editing work. Um, the way it's cross cutting the different p- points of view, uh, the way in the courtroom you're getting those those awesome shots of different actors reacting to things that are happening. I think it's I think it's uh, far and away the best one. Uh, I do hear what you're saying, Laron, on the sound of metal, but I I just I just something tells me Trial of Chicago Seven is going to take it. I could be I could be way off. I would love I would love to be wrong in this category, so because um, it would be my preferred choice. Okay, all right. Well, with that said, let's move on to best costume design. Now, this is another one of those categories where sometimes uh, you get some some real like surprise winners here. And uh, the nominations are Emma sneaking a nomination in here, Mank, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mulan, and Pinocchio. Because yes, ladies and gentlemen, a Pinocchio movie did come out this last year. Not the one that you think came out, but one <laughs> did come out. <laughs> so, Laurent Chapman, uh, give me your hot take here. Who's going to take home best costume design? So I think... <laughs> That Mank was probably, for me, my personal choice would be Mank. Um, I agree with you. Um, not one of my favorite films this year. I do not think it's a bad film. I think it's technically well made. It's just it's just one that didn't stick with me or resonate with me emotionally like some of the other films this year. Um, but one thing that did stand out to me um, was the cost of the design. Um, and so if I had to choose... Um, for myself personally, I think that was one of the categories where I think it excelled very well. That being said, I think that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is likely um, the preferred choice to win in this category. Um, and so I'm going to say um, should win, Mink will win Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay, I'm going to flip those. I'm going to say should win. Ma Rainey is black bottom because I think the costume design's pretty stellar. Uh, but will win is Mank because I don't think Mank's going to take home any of the major awards. And I, but I think it's going to it's going to clean up in some of these like lower smaller categories. Again, that's just sort of like my uh, probably thesis for the evening. But uh, I think Mank's got the edge here. Okay, could be wrong, but we must talk about best international feature film, which. Thank God they finally changed the category name. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Not best foreign film, best international featured film. And and you know what? Good on you, Academy, for not putting Minari in this, film, in this category either, because it is a very American film. Yeah. Uh, no shade at you, Golden Globes, right there. Actually, JK, all the shade. I still can't believe you guys did that. So, uh, first up, we have Another Round, and then Better Days, Collective, uh, the man who sold his skin, or I can't. Kevadas, Ada. I'm definitely an American saying that title. <laughs> um, Ron Chapman, who's going to win? Who should win? I think should win and will win is another round. It's it's a really brilliant. Um, it's a really brilliant film. Um, a dramedy, not, it's, it's one of those things that normally you, you get heavy hitting dramas in this category. And this was kind of like the film being a subject about people who tried to enhance their 
their daily lives by basically consuming large quantities of alcohol to see if they could. It's just an interesting concept for a film. Um, and I found the whole thing to go down just like a good cocktail in terms of the approach to it. Because the characters are all loose and fun and it's an entertaining film. I was surprised by that, how entertaining it was, just how crisply shot it was. Um, and so, and it's also um, done really good on the campaign trail thus far. Um, and it's garnered a lot of wins. So I think should and will win is another round. If there's anything in this category that I think might have a possibility is another film I have seen. It's Collective, but also really excellent film. And it kind of follows the more traditional film that you would see win in this category. Um, but I still think uh, the favored choice and my preferred choice would be another round for Best International yeah, I think this one's uh, clenched. I mean, the fact that Thomas Vinderberg has was also nominated for Best Director, which does not frequently happen for international films. That they, I mean, they get it nominated for anything other than international film. In fact, that was our worst fear for Parasite that it was only going to get pigeonholed to you know Best International Film. Uh, but no, I I agree. I, I don't. I think I have no doubt in my mind. It's going to be another round. It's the one that's got all the momentum, all the buzz. It would really be a big shocker if it didn't take this one home. And I think it's well-deserved. It's a great movie. I am a sucker for Mads Mikkelsen, so it gets brownie points off the bat for me. <laughs> so, you know. um, so another round uh, will win and should win. Agreed. Uh, now let's go to best makeup and hairstyling. The same category uh, that the Suicide Squad won an Oscar for. Uh, well, we got. You see, uh, this is why this is the only reason why Borat should win best adapted <laughs> screenplay, so that we can come back years later and, and say that sentence and have it still sound ridiculous. But yes, proceed. <laughs> so listen, you you think that sound? I mean that it that, that that is ridiculous. But we have something nearly as ridiculous this year. So we've got Emma for best makeup and hairstyling. Here's the ridiculous one: Hillbilly Elegy. Um, Laurent, I haven't watched this movie. I don't want to watch this movie. I read the book many years ago and I, I like things about the book. I actually relate to the book uh, in a lot of ways, but also a, it's a nonfiction, not a drama book, not a fiction. Um, so I, a, there's that perspective and B, I just don't think the world needed this movie right now and C, that makeup is really bad. That makeup is very bad. And it's like, you know, some, I don't know these people. I don't keep up with makeup artists. These must be Aaron Kruger, Mikash, Patrick, uh, Patricia Delhaney, and Matthew Mungle must be really loved people because in the industry because like I straight up just from the trailers and like about the fifteen minutes of the movie I have seen when I turned it on, the makeup is real bad. Uh, so, but I also just because the Academy is going to do what it does sometimes, I have the the, the deep feeling in the pit of my stomach that hillbilly elegy is going to end up with more oscars uh than, <laughs> than, uh than i don't know other masterpieces such as the irishman so uh you know uh anyway hillbilly elegy nominated uh ma rainey's black bottom and then mank and pinocchio so lauren chapman what do you think about hillbilly El uh, hillbilly elegy's makeup who should win who will win and the funny thing is there's just so many things problematic with that film. Um, one, the intention of why it was made, yes. the overall premise of the story. Um, that being said, I have seen it. I do not think it is a terrible film. I went into it thinking it was going to be a terrible film um, and wound out with it being, you know, middingly entertaining with a few good performances in it. 
Um, but that being said, um, the holes in the story lie all with, the, you know, um, again, the just the initial premise and intention for why it was made. Um, I think the makeup in the film is pretty horrid because um, it's the first thing you notice in the trailers without even seeing the film is that makeup has been employed. You can see that the actor, it's like everything not to do with hair and makeup and styling is to make it apparent that it was used, <laughs> you know? So um, it's interesting that, that this has gar- garnered, you know, um, you know, Oscar, you know, an Oscar nomination, but um, this feels more like a pity nomination more than anything else. So, I hope you're right. Um, so I hope I'm right too. Um <laughs> But sure, I think if I'm looking at this category, I think probably the strongest one here is probably Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I think the transformation for uh, Viola Davis is just is, is, is incredible. So I think that would be my pick for should and will win for best makeup and hairstyle. Okay. Uh, I really consider that. I thought really hard about that one too. I am going to take a different route. I think okay. should win. Uh, is Emma. And I'm just throwing that out there because I don't know that Emma's going to win anything. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's going to go home empty handed, but I just, it was a great little movie that I really, really liked that. I I just would love to get, see, get some attention uh, that I think uh, overwhelmingly people didn't see because it came out right after, like, I mean, theaters were technically still open, but everyone had stopped going to the movies when it was playing. Yeah. Um, I remember it being, I remember the advertisements in theaters just as the pandemic was underway. Um, I did get a chance to see it at home. Um, but yeah, it's one of those ones I think just got lost, but it's good to see that it, it made it to the Oscars with a couple of noms at least. So maybe that'll, maybe that'll point it in people's direction. Cause I really love, uh, the lead actress in that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, she's a, so good. She's done amazing things this year. So, um, but yeah, I mean like new mutants, best thing she's done and uh, career maker, right? <laughs> Sorry. I had to bring up that new mutants <laughs> exist. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's what I want to win. I think Mank will win though. I, okay. Again, it's one of those things. I just my my thesis for the night is that Mank is going to take home a ton of these like other like not prestigious awards, but sort of like I don't want to say technical, but you know the ones that aren't like acting or cinematography. Well, not give it cinematography, but you know it, it's not going to take home Best Picture. Uh, so let's move on to production design. In this category, we've got The Father. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, and holy cow, have we not talked about this movie yet? Tenet, <laughs> the movie that saved cinema. Right, right. It was the first one. It was the first blockbuster to come out during all this. Like, hey, let's give this a try. Let's just let's test the waters here. You know, I have a theory, or and I, people have actually written about this, so I don't know how much of this is mine or just this idea. I think one of two things happened. Either Christopher Nolan really told them not to market this movie for a uh, tenant for the Oscars or Warner brothers legit got really peeved off at how he was trash talking them while he was on his press tour for tenant for the whole HBO max day of release. And they said, okay, we're just not going to promote your movie at the Oscars because yeah. uh, it walked away. I mean, there's, I think there's like what two nominations. So, but anyway, tenant, yeah. Not really featured much here. So with all that said, though, do you think, Laurent, Tenet should win or will win? And if not, what should and will? Um, I, I agree with your theory there that I think it had a lot to do with uh, his temperament, you know, towards all of this um, in terms of why it didn't perform better here at the Oscars. But I will say, though, 
because uh, I differ with you on Mank. I don't think I don't think Mank will. The only this is the only category I actually think Mank will win. Um, I think the production design in that film was again one of the highlights um, of the film. One of the strong elements of it that I can remember, you know, after seeing it. Um, so I think that best production design should and will go to Mank, and I am placing my bets that it will be the sole Oscar that it'll win the entire night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to double down, if you want to bet with your friends, you want to go all in with LaRon Chapman, you make that extra bet. You say, not only is Mank not going to win very much, the only award it's going to win is production design. We're going to bet it all, okay? We're hedging bets here. Uh, okay, I like that theory. I can get behind that theory. Is it ironic that this is the one I kind of want to give to Ma? I want to I want to give to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, I, I I think I think you're right. I think Mank will win this one. Actually, I'm pretty confident Mank will take this one. But Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I really really liked the design. Uh, I really thought it was strong, visually strong. Um, yeah. Anyway, I like I like the design for sure of virtually all of these films. I think with Ma Rainey, with it being more quaint of a production in terms of like they kind of are relegated to just a couple of areas yeah. um, with it. Um, I mean, and that's, and that's just a limitation because the writing itself is just in a few spaces, but I feel like it's so, it's so much more elaborate in Mank and there's so many locations. There's so many different, and then it's a, it's also a period piece. Um, the costume and production design had to be prominent because it is also in black and white. Um, so for it to still stand out with all of those things working against it says a lot about how it was constructed. So, um, yeah, I'm still willing to hedge my bet on it. But yeah. uh, no, I, I, I would say my, if I would say I agree, I think Mank will take home the trophy. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I really like it. But uh, again, I'm with you though. I think all of these nominations are, are very strong. Let's move on to best animated feature. I have feelings about this. I don't know if I, the same feelings you have. I have a lot of feelings me. about this too. And I, I don't know if we share them, but I'm very curious to hear yours first, actually. <laughs> okay. Yes. So who, okay, wait, wait, actually, sorry. The nominations are Onward, Over the Moon, A Shaun the Sheep Movie, Farmageddon, Soul, or Wolfwalkers. LeBron Chapman, who should win, who will win? I feel like this is going to be one of those that's like, if you bet against it, then, you know, you're just wanting to lose money. Um, but that being said, I think that Soul is going to take the gold here. It's a Pixar film. It was a well-received Pixar film. Um, again, it's won virtually everything leading up to this evening. Um, you know, all, it has all the, the momentum and the edge here. That being said, I, I'm, I'm very thankful to see some of the other films in this category. I was a huge fan of Onward. I think it was kind of a non-traditional Pixar film um, that came out earlier this year. I don't know if as many people saw it as Soul, um, but it's definitely a gem, and it had um, all of the heartwarming things you want in a Pixar movie, but the story was just not conventional like most of them. And so I really enjoyed it quite a bit. But... Even saying all of that, the film that moved me to tears was Wolfwalkers. And I, if I had to choose, I would choose Wolfwalkers as my personal favorite amongst this category. I think Soul was really great. Um, I wouldn't say it was my favorite uh, Pixar film to come out. Um, I kind of preferred um, Inside Out, which I think kind of 
covers a lot of the same ground as this one. I think it was a little bit more emotionally gripping for me. Um, that being said, I think Soul is a very solid choice to win in this category, if not my preferred choice. So I think it will win, but Wolf Walkers would be my personal favorite. Okay. Okay. Good. We are we are clearly good friends who uh, agree on on movies, Laurent, because I'm right there with you. Um, by the way, I didn't see Over the Moon, but the rest of these awesome picks. I like all these movies a lot. I think you're right. Onward, super underrated. Again, another one of those movies that came out when the pandemic was shutting stuff down, and I think a lot of people just missed it, even though it is now readily available on Disney Plus for anyone who had who subscribes to watch. If you haven't, make the time. It's great. I cried. It's a Pixar movie. It's beautiful. If you like Dungeons and Dragons or fantasy, you are going to find so much to love. Don't watch the trailers. The trailers made me think it was going to be a garbage movie. And it and like a lot of Pixar movies, actually, the trailers do not do the material justice. So Onward's great. I love Soul. I, I'm glad you mentioned it in relation to Inside Out. Both of those were directed by Pete Docter, who I just think is really, really innovating over at Pixar a studio that is already wildly innovative. So just being able to tell these really non-conventional stories and really take like bigger, these, these big ideas like uh, the soul, what does that look like? How do we visualize it without a touching like, you know, different religions or anything like that. Again, really, really thought that was the way they sidestepped all that was really clever while also hitting on those universal truths about what makes people who they are, uh, what gives them energy um, again, beautiful, beautiful movie that I think, much like Inside Out, could probably be used as a, a tool for parents to have these conversations with their kids about emotions and uh, the state of existence. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of crazy. That, like those sorts of topics made their way into a to, to family films that like like Soul. So I think Soul will win. I think it's an awesome movie. Not the best Pixar movie. Not the best Pete Doctor Pixar movie. But man, it's really damn good. Uh, however, I don't know if it's a, a soft spot for 2D animation. I don't know if it's because it's a, a sort of a fantasy and a, a part of the country we just don't see on the screen very much. But I fell in love with Wolf Walkers. Th- this is a movie I, I also cried during. I thought the animation was just absolutely mind-blowing. They, are, they were doing extremely innovative things for 2D animation, something that I think a lot of studios have moved on from and just assumed there isn't innovation to be left in that space or at least innovation worth looking into. Uh, and I think Wolf Walkers absolutely did that. I, I think it was two or three years ago, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse was nominated up against some Pixar movies. And I was like, man, this is just the best one. I, and I think it should win just because it's the best one. And it's not that the other movies aren't good, but I, I want it to win because it's the best one. And because Academy always goes for Pixar. Um, that said, I think the Academy if you were betting, we'll absolutely go for Soul and Pixar. I think it will win. I think it's a deserving movie. Just me personally, I would love to see um, getting more players at the table and seeing the studio who did Wolf Walkers get a win so they can keep on doing the really cool stuff they're doing. So that is best animated feature. Okay, Laurent. So I got to make a confession here. Yes. Reason for you. Uh, and I won't go into the details, but uh, the pandemic really messed with my my like watching habits. So I actually, there was a lot of movies that I did not see last year. Things that I definitely didn't see that I usually go see <clears> in a theater as part of the preparation for the Oscars, the shorts. Uh, here in Oklahoma City, we have the Oklahoma City Museum of Art. And I, I have a tradition for the last three or four years to seeing the best animated live action and documentary shorts. And though they were screened virtually, I just, 
I'm very bad at getting to things like that at home. Uh, so I have not seen anything in this upcoming category. So you, my friend, are our only hope on these predictions. <laughs> I have nothing to offer listeners. So Lawan Chapman, you've got best animated short film. Yes. So that being said, I have seen exactly one of these. So I'm not that much better. I still have a failing grade, you know, so. Um, but that being said, the, also the only film in this category that I've actually seen get any kind of uh, marketing or has been featured in many things is if anything happens, I love you. Um, so um, it's, it's like, you know, uh, a needle in a haystack here. But I'm going to go with the one film I saw and the one film I saw marketed. So my bet would be on that. Very um, apprehensive. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. I'm surprised. I thought you were going to say Burrow from Disney Pixar. Oh, no. 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 Okay. Me neither. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen. So based off of what LaRon – and hey, I, I don't – I think there's something to that, though, to be fair, LaRon, because the Academy members, they don't see everything. We should probably lay this out there for listeners who don't know. Like The Academy votes on this, but they're just like us. They have lives they live. They they see lots of movies. They love movies, but sometimes they don't see them all. And sometimes the ones they watch are the ones that are marketed heavily to them uh, because they've heard of it. And so, so there is something to that. Well, the only one I've heard of is XYZ. Therefore, it wins. Um, I don't think that's always the case, but I would say if you are a betting person and you hadn't seen any of them, going with If Anything Happens, I Love You sounds like a safe bet, the safer bet. Uh, so how about best live action short film? So these are quickly uh, feeling through. The Letter Room, The Present, Two Distant Strangers, and White Eye. Laron, again, I am in the dark. Have you seen any of these? I have seen zero of these, but I am a uh, voracious reader. And the only two that have gotten any traction in this category are The Letter Room and Two Distant Strangers. And the preferred choice from the different columns I've written is The Letter Room. So the letter room would be my shot in the dark option here. Um, and if it's anything else, I'd say it would be two distant strangers. Okay. So the letter room or two distant strangers that does narrow it down to 50, 50, uh, 50, 50. So ladies and gentlemen, check it out. So if you're betting people, you know, and you're, you know, you're sitting around the TV at Oscar night and you have no chance in hell, you know, to picking which ones you have in between these, go with one of those two. And then blame me if it's wrong. All right, everyone. Start adding Laron immediately on Twitter. <laughs> no, JK, please don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> All right, Laron. Here's, here's the funny thing. This next category, best visual effects. Now, this is usually the one I hear all my friends who don't keep up with movies say, finally, a category. I've seen all these movies. Laron, I don't recognize. I mean, like, I haven't seen three of these. Or Sorry, I haven't seen two of these movies. Uh, I recognize the ones I've seen. I definitely recognize. But the other ones, I'm like, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen or heard of any of these. So uh, we've got. Love and Monsters, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, The One and Only Ivan, and then Tenet. So, Laron Chapman, what will win, should win? Best visual effects. I think the only two that have a chance here are Tenet and The Midnight Sky. and But my preferred choice, and the one I think that will take on the Oscar, is Tenet. Because I think it was the one amongst these where the visual effects are employed in a unique way from the others in the category. Um, 
we the visual effects are there, but they're not in the forefront. They're employed in a different way. They're more subtle. They're more part of the world. Whereas the other ones, it's just it's it's splashy and in your face. And if you're going to do that, then it's going to be harder to pick between the three that did the same thing. Um, so with a little bit of apprehension, but, you know, I still feel pretty strong about it. I think should and will win as Tenet for best visual effects. Okay. And, and okay. Christopher Nolan will just have to live with the fact that he won an Oscar even despite the poor marketing. So. Yes, yes. Take that, Christopher Nolan. Hey, okay, so here's what I'll say. Uh, just a word, tenant. I open doors. Some are good, some are bad. I don't know. Whatever the line from the trailer is that that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. No. I, I'm with you. I think tenant will win, should win, and and I'm not going to spend time gushing about tenant. We have a whole episode with Jacob and Zachary Burns doing that. Um. Well, and also critiquing it to be fair, because I don't think it's no one's even close to no one's best work. But what I will say is Christopher Nolan, as a director, is really good at. Showing me the big spectacle that I never imagined seeing. Like when you when you see it, you're just like flabbergasted. You're like, what is this? And then by the time you wrap your head around what's happening, you're like, how the sh- how the hell did they do that? And I think Tenet continues that tradition. The 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 climax where there's a war going on, both forward and reverse time, is completely insane. Uh, the the hallway scene in the airport. The fact that you see it twice and both times I'm just flabbergasted. I'm like, did they shoot it twice? Did they do the same shots? Like, how did they edit this? How did they make it look so convincing? A lot of questions. Um, so I think Tenet, yeah. I, I think it's it's simultaneously the most impressive and the least flashy. Uh, I know what you mean, LaRon. Like, it's not as splashy or colorful or any of that. But um, I think it definitely has the, the biggest impact of the film three films I saw in here. So I'm going all in on Tenet. All right, on to the documentaries. So we've got Best Documentary Feature, Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, and Time. Ron, what's your take? So I've seen um, four of the five in this category. Um, I enjoyed all four of those films quite a bit. I think time is one of those films that is timely and is obviously of the now right now. It's dealing a lot with the prison system and um, uh, the way laws are kind of disproportionately in favor of of cis white males. Um, I found that to be really timely and relevant uh, right now. um, And I did think it was powerful. That being said, I don't think as many people have seen that film. Um, Crip Camp was one of those films I saw at the very start of the pandemic and found it to be really insightful, but a little off kilter, I think, for probably most Academy voters' taste. Um, And Collective, I mean, is one that I've read a lot about, um, and I enjoyed it quite a bit when I watched it. Um, So there's a lot of momentum around that film also. But I think the one that was the most seen and also the most moving amongst the four that I viewed was my octopus teacher. Um, I found it to be just mesmerizing and spellbinding the entire time. And it also a very unique way to tell a story. Um, I never thought I would care about an octopus under in at the bottom of the ocean and that I, and that they would personalize that and personify them in a way. Um, 
but I left that feeling enlightened, moved, and um, in a trance from just how they were able to tell the story the way they did. Um, and with it being readily available on Netflix, I think a lot of people got a chance to view it. So that would be my should and will win for this category. Okay. Okay. I think that's a, a great selection here. So, uh, Laron, here's what I'll say. One, where's Boy State in this category? I thought I honestly thought that was a shoe in like straight yeah. up. I, I'm a little flabbergasted. That was my favorite documentary that I saw last year. Um, didn't see. I have not seen all of these. I've seen two of these. Um, so that said, I am betting. Crip Camp wins. Why? Rationale. Pure rationale. Never bet against the Obamas. <laughs> Not, I know that sounds silly, but I'm just saying people hey. love the Obamas. People love that they're making Netflix films. I Hollywood, think definitely, Hollywood definitely loves the Obamas. So, yeah. and Hey, Hey, I liked Crip camp plenty. So like, I'm not saying it's not deserving, but I, I just, <laughs> that's, that sounds like a nonsensical reason to pick something, but I'm just saying that the producers and I think a lot of people, because they produced it and because it's on Netflix, people will watch it. And because more people watch it, if they're, all, if, they're like, if they're if you're an Academy voter and you only watch one documentary, I'm pretty sure it's going to be that one. And that means it's going to get your vote. So anyway. And listen, the reason I watched it was because of the Obamas. So there's that. So there's something to that. There's something to that theory. Um, if you are right, I will not be upset. Uh, yes. So Crip Camp, I think, will win. So that's the one I think you should mark down your ballot. I personally would like to see time win just because of how timely it is. And I really like when documentaries, I mean, honestly, any of the award winners, but documentaries in particular, much like Best Picture, it's something about them being a reflection of the time we're in, I think, stands out. Like when you look at what won Best Documentary 20 years ago, it just really is a little tiny, tiny glimpse into what people were really concerned about at the time. Uh, like what were the the topics that people really wanted to see documentaries of? So I think time for me seems like the most pertinent to the moment we were in in 2020. Um, that said, uh, that and Crip Camp were both very good. The two I saw. I haven't seen My Octopus Teacher, LeBron, but you have definitely inspired uh, you inspired me to to carve out some time for that. It is worth your time. Very good. So another category I have seen nothing in. I'm ashamed. Uh, best documentary short subject. So we've got Colette. Uh, a concerto is a conversation. Do not split. Hunger Ward. A love song for Latasha. LeBron, have you seen any of these movies or short films? I, I should say. I have seen zero of these films as well. But my educated guess would be again to go with the only ones that I've seen articles written about, reviews about. Um, any kind of buzz or conversation about, and that would be a concerto is a conversation and a love song for Natasha. I think a love song for Natasha is a little bit more timely, much in the vein of time. Um, so I would say that my educated guess would be should and will win a love song for Natasha. Okay. I'm going to mark that on my ballot. And then if I lose, I'm going to demand you buy me a beer or something. I don't know. <laughs> So JK, I would never do that. Uh, I will buy you a beer either way. I am going to buy, I was actually think, I think I'm going to buy you another round. Oh, but I, uh, seriously, LeBron, next time, 
we see each other face to face, which by the way, I think is going to be very soon, whether it's a podcast or just hanging out. Next beer is on me. And I'm serious. Chicken beers, it is. Chicken beers. Local spot here in Oklahoma for those people listening. Uh, marketing for chicken beer. I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to tweet them that we talked about chicken beer. They are not giving us ad dollars um, <laughs> probably at least once a week. So please consider sponsoring us so I can get some free chicken wings. But yes, check, chicken beer, best wings in OKC. Agreed. Um, on the note of chicken beer, LeBron, we are now firmly moving into the big ones. Yes, so sir. We are going to start with best director. The nominees for best director are Thomas Venterberg. David Fincher. I should probably mention the movies. Thomas Vinderberg is another round. David Fincher is Mank. Lee Isaac Hung for Minari. Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. And then Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. Holy cow. What a category. This yes. is such a great list of directors. It's so tough. And I, Laurent, I'm going to get your take here in a second. But no matter... No matter if we agree or disagree or are or are happy or disappointed with the results, one thing I hope we can agree on is this is a good that list. I want to see David Fincher taking shots every time he's on camera. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who didn't watch the Globes. Um okay. Laron Chapman, who will win, who should win? Uh this is an excellent group. And there's actually a surprise here. Thomas Vinterberg was not expected to be in this category at all. He was he's su- he snuck his way into this. I don't think it's undeserving by any means. I think another round was an excellent film. Um, I think I would have preferred to have seen Regina King um, in this category because I think One Night in Miami was a really excellent film this year. Um, and she's just been on a stride the last, you know, I'd say five, well, really her whole career, but has gotten a lot of attention, you know, as of recently with her Oscar, dom- her Oscar win. Um uh, her Emmy win for um, Watchmen. She's just been doing really incredible things in front of and behind the camera. Um, so with that snub um, being said, um, looking at the ones that are here, my personal favorite film um, would have been uh, Nomadland. Chloe Zhao, I think, directed the best film this year. Um, I think the momentum's in her favor. She won the DGA. Um, you're looking at the same people voting against the DJ is kind of a hard thing to do when it's the same voter pool. Um, and I think, um, this is not a pity win. I think she directed the most poetic film of the year. And, um, this would, you know, uh, put her in the place of being only the second woman to win for best director and the first woman of color to win for best director in the event that she did. So she would be history in the making. I think that's also working in her favor in this regard. So should and will win Chloe Zhao. Fantastic. No, I, I think that's a really, you, you summed it up. I'm not going to repeat too much of that. Don't bet against the DGA. So I, I don't think Glo, uh, Chloe Zhao is going to lose. I think she is absolutely going to take home the trophy. Not only has she won the DGA, I'm pretty sure she's won like everything. <laughs> so, everything. Uh, you know, like every award show she's taken home and Hey, Nomadland is a, it's not my personal favorite film, but I can acknowledge that it is an incredibly well-made film that I, I admire a lot about. And I think it's telling a really important story. So that said, I will happily put will win down for Chloe Zhao. However, however, I think, and I couldn't pick. So I did my should win a tie. Cause obviously there's no ties to the Oscars, but I could <laughs> pick, I really, really love Minari. That is a movie that really, really stuck with me. It really, um, in a lot of ways reminded me of how I felt when I finished watching Moonlight, where I just feel like I was able to take a, a little glimpse 
at a person's life. I, you know, the everyday people that we all probably pass in the streets every day, but really getting just to see what is the life of an immigrant, uh, a Korean immigrant in, a, in the United States look like? What is that? What's that story? What is that day to day? And again, I always think about movies as uh, empathy machines. Lauren, you know, I've talked about this many times, you know, empathy machines um, as uh, you know, w- well said by Roger Ebert. So that movie really stuck with, it really had that similar feeling where I just was like, wow, I, you know, there's a lot of things I hadn't thought about that I think are really important. So it gets a tie for that, but also Emerald Fennell with Promising a Woman. Uh, that movie is a bold, bold movie. Uh, I, you know, I think her script was great, but I think her direction was better actually. And uh, I just, the way she was able to really make you feel uncomfortable from uh, like sort of in a different film w- with a less, Mm, careful director, we could say. The swings between comedic and uncomfortable could be considered whiplash. I did not feel like I had whiplash watching Promising a Woman. I felt like everything felt very, very organic. I laughed, but I also felt extremely uncomfortable through very large portions of the film. And of course, like after the film, immediately turned to my girlfriend. We talked about it for like 45 minutes. And then Leron, you, you and I had a whole phone conversation about the movie afterwards. So with all that said, for me, it's a tie on who I would like to win uh, between uh, Lee Isaac Hung and Emerald Fennell. Uh, I think they're both awesome, but I do think Chloe Zhao is actually the one taking home the gold. So three of the five people are I'm saying are awesome. I do think Fincher and Vinterberg are good, but they're not my first choice or second choice. So let's move on to best actor in a supporting role. And by the way, I, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it, but the Academy's up to those shenanigans again, man. What are you, are you, you're telling me that David Kalula and, and Lakeith Stanfield are both supporting actors of that movie? What? Yeah. So who led the movie? Who, who led was the movie? Lead? Yeah. It just, it doesn't, this wasn't an ensemble. This was definitely, so that's really a curveball, you know, in a way. Cause I mean, I would have happily have seen Lakeith Stanfield amongst the five um, in yeah. best actor. Um, that would have been nice, but it, it, it feels false in this category. You know, like Daniel Kalula, I can see. Um, but because I think arguably Lakeith Stanfield is the lead of the film. Um, so it just feels, it just feels weird to see them both in the same category. And I hope that yeah. doesn't hurt Daniel Kaluuya's odds. That's know, what I'm worried about. <laughs> considering they're both in the same film, um, and picking between them because who has more screen time, you know, is Lakeith Stanfield. So it's just, it's one of those strange things. I felt the same way about, uh, Viola Davis, um, being in supporting for fences, you know, but I mean, obviously it worked in her favor that year. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, let's go down the list here real quick. So we got Sasha Baron Cohen for the trial of the Chicago seven, uh, Daniel Kalula, of course, Judas and the black Messiah, Leslie Odom jr. For one night, in Miami, uh, Paul Racy for, uh, sound of metal. And then of course, Lakeith Stanfield for, also for Judas and the Black Messiah. Again, I am with you, Laurent. He is definitely the lead in that movie. The whole movie is framed around that character's POV. So it's very strange that he's in the supporting category. But all that said, uh, do you think Kalula is going to take it? I feel like Daniel Kalula was fantastic in this film. And I think that, again, he has momentum. He's won at every award ceremony thus far. Um... I think that the Lakeith Stanfield um, addition to this category 
hurts his chances somewhat, for sure. Like any chance that he would lose in this category would be because he was included. Um, but to be honest with you, my favorite in this category was Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami. He was my personal choice all year, even after seeing Juice and the Black Messiah. That being said, I'd be happy to see either one of them win this because I think they're both terrific in their respective films. So I wouldn't be upset with either. Um, I'm really happy to see Paul Racy to sneak into this category. He was um, on my short list of supporting actors this year in Sound of Metal to get in there. It's such a subtle, quiet performance, so I didn't think he had a chance of being nominated, but it was so it's really nice to see him amongst this. But um, if I'm going with my gut here, I still would say that it's a safe bet to to give the momentum in Daniel Kaluuya's favor. Um, but I think my personal choice would be Leslie Odom Jr. Okay. All right. Now I'm, I'm double downing. I, I'm putting it all in Daniel Kaluuya. I think he has certainly has the most buzz going into this. I do think Leslie Odom Jr. is fantastic in one night in Miami. If he were to take it, I would be very, very happy. Um, you know, and even Sasha Baron Cohen, he has a slippery Chicago accent, but I, I just really enjoy, I mean, I, and I know the Borat thing. He's fun there. I really like it when he actually chooses to, to play a character in a movie. That's not like one of his characters. I like his characters too, but like, I don't know. It's just nice to see him just do more traditional acting every once in a while. And I thought outside of the slippery accent, I, I really enjoyed his performance in that movie as well. Uh, again, I think this is an outstanding category, but if I was betting and I would say personal preference, like I am going to remember Daniel Kaluuya in this movie for a very long time. And, and often and actually in many ways may like really <laughs> my memory of Fred Hampton is probably going to be, you know, this portrayal in, in a lot of ways. Um, so that's, that's yeah. where, that's where I'm placing my bets and my preference. Let's move on to best actress in a supporting role. So, Hey, speaking of Borat, Maria Baklava, I just want to say out there, I'm going to throw this out there, by the way, Oklahoma film critic circle. I actually made a case for her for best supporting actress. And you folk, you people, you people didn't take it seriously. I think she was awesome. in That movie. Uh, also, she had to she had to work with Rudy Giuliani for a scene, so obviously that's good. It's a bright points out there. <laughs> um, so we got Maria Baklava, uh, we've got Glenn Close and Hillbilly Elegy, we've got Olivia Coleman and the Father, Amanda Seyfried and Mank, and Lord help me, Young Jun Yoon, Young Jun Yoon, sure, sure, we'll try Minari for Minari for Minari. Uh, okay, Laron, who, who's going to take this one? You know, this was an interesting category as the year pressed on with all of the press for these these different categories, for these different uh, performers. I really think that um, it's a, it's a good list. Um, I am curious about your um, your uh, vote for Maria Baklova because I'm tell- I'll tell you what I loved Borat subsequent movie film quite a bit for what it was. I don't know if I've yet embraced it as the kind of film that gener- that deserves Oscar praise, but um, I have been wrong consistently. I was like, that's never going to happen. And then every award ceremony, her and the film have been getting buzz. And I'm like, well, you know, if you had told me this a year ago, I would have said that there's not a shot in hell. Um, but that being said, it is a technically good performance in for what, if you're thinking in the context of the film that it is, you know, 
it, it's a great, it's a, you know, it's a great improvisational, like, like she's in character. You believe her, you care about her character. You're rooting for her character. Um, you, you are shocked and afraid for her character for certain situations she gets herself into, um, and how people are going to react to it in certain ways. And she commits, commits, commits. So I've come around to embracing this, but I, I, it's, it, it is still to a certain extent surprising to see that in the category. Glenn Close is one of those people that I adore and I have been fighting to get an Oscar for years. I thought she was going to get it against Olivia Coleman. She's competing against her again in this category. It would be hilarious if she lost again to her. Um, Olivia Coleman is a, a consistent pro. It's always great. Loved her in The Father. Amanda Seyfried is probably the best part of Mank. The one part, the one access point I had throughout the entire story, the only character that I actually cared about. Um, so, but I think um, Yoon Jung Hyun and uh, Murnari has all the momentum here. She's won the major, the major categories thus far. And it's a deserving, nuanced, beautiful, poised performance. Um, so I would love to see her get it. And I think she deserves it as well. Yeah, I know I'm outlined. And I know I mentioned Maria Baklava. I, I, I actually made a case. Uh, sorry, uh, film critic friends. I was just joking. I, I made a case <laughs> and I don't think she was ever considered. What I also say is, though, I'm also very shocked that she made it into the best actress uh, in the supporting role category. Um, I wouldn't choose her even for my would want to win. I do admire what she did. And I, I think in a lot of ways, similar to, uh, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen, she kind of put her life in danger for the role a couple of times or, you know, so like there's some respect there, but I would also agree. I mean, I, I think uh, Yu Jung Yoon is both the w- will win and should win for me moving performance. Uh, again, it's good to see a, a fresh face in here. Um, so yeah, I, that, that's the one I tend to get behind. I, again, having not seen Hillbilly Elegy in full completion was not particularly impressed by what I saw. Uh, Olivia Coleman Always excellent, as you put it. And Amanda Seyfried and, and Mank. I really want Amanda Seyfried to really get some love. And maybe in a different year, this could have been her year. But I just don't think this is going to – I don't think it's going to work out for her this year. So. I think before we saw um, the award ceremonies leading up to this, Amanda Seyfried was really the front runner in this category. I felt like the, yes. all the conversation was about her performance in Mank. I just don't think everyone's embraced. I think similar to us, like everyone hasn't embraced Mank in its entirety. Um, there's not been a lot of like over like love for it in that respect. Um, but I think that she is fantastic in it, and I'd love to see her do more because uh, uh, my favorite film, one of, the, one of the, my favorite films of the last ten years, first reformed um, just some time back. Rewatched it two days ago. Um, She's she's great in a supporting role in that as well. She's really pliable and she's good in many different genres. So it would be great to see that. Same thing again with Glenn Close. I love her. I love her and I really want her to win an Oscar. I don't want her to die without one because I think she's given us so many memorable roles. I even think she's good in the Hillbilly Elegy. I just don't think the movie's very good. And so I would I would kind of cringe for her to win it for this. So um all the same. I think the that Yung Jung Young in Minari is just the strongest the strongest bet amongst these other these other women. So um, my my bet is with her and hoping that it works in her favor. Yeah. Well again, strong category, all strong categories here. We're gonna move on into best actor in the leading role. 
Uh, again, this is, gosh, such stellar performances here. Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal. Again, incredible, incredible performance there. We've got, uh, I mean, Chadwick Boseman from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Awesome performance. I think his last or one of his last performances, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Awesome. Gary Oldman. I, it's funny. I know it just feels like bait. I actually feel like this is like, I don't know. It almost feels like he's done this performance before, but that's a separate podcast by the way. And then, uh, Steven Ewan from Minari. So all strong performers here, Laron. I, I, I just have to ask you though. I mean, is there even an, uh, Despite this being an incredibly strong category, I mean, do you really think Hollywood's going to pass up on the opportunity to honor Chadwick Boseman? I I think the momentum is in his favor for that narrative, of course, because it is bittersweet. It's heartfelt. It's his final performance. You know, we've seen this happen before. These posthumous, you know, um, Oscars go to people, but it, it never feels undeserving, though, because he is fantastic. And I think it's, if you had me rank all of his performances that he was able to achieve before his untimely death, that would probably be, be the first or second choice. So, um, I don't think it's undeserving. And I do think that Hollywood loves a good, you know, a good, a good narrative leading up to it. And that, you know, giving it to him in honor of him and of this performance and of his passing, you know, is, you know, is totally viable. And I think that that's likely how it's going to go. My personal choice would be Riz Ahmed. That was the that was the the strongest performance for me, the one that stuck with me the most this year. Um, and it came out of nowhere for me. Um, I've always liked him generally as a performer, but uh, it just resonated with me. Um, you know, um, very long after seeing it. So uh, my personal choice would be him. But I would be totally fine and happy and you know, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, is the one that's honored that night. So, okay, yeah, I I hear you. I think I'm gonna go with should win on Chadwick Boseman. Uh, I do I do hear you on the Riz Ahmed though. He is really incredible uh, in in that particular role. Um, the reason I say should win for J- Chadwick Boseman, but n- not only was you know is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom a, a really stellar performance for him, a great swan song in a lot of ways. This man for uh, an entire generation is going to be the equivalent of Superman. Um, you know, I mean, this is, I mean, Black Panther is a, I mean, that, that movie took off. It was a huge hit. And I think it resonated worldwide. And also I imagine for, you know, um, people of color, uh, especially like people, you know, little boys growing up, being able to see themselves on the screen. Like, I just think that impact is really, really massive. So I say give him the award, not just because he had a great performance, but because of what his legacy legacy on Hollywood will be. You know, it's almost like another Christopher Reeves type situation. Um, You know, uh, again, Heath Ledger, another one where you're you're just like, wow, you you turned in an incredible performance. Uh, This award is not just for that. It's all the performances you didn't get to give us. Yeah. 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 No. Well, and I would also say, you know, like. I mean, think of the incredible roles he's been able to do in his time. He played James Brown. He played Thurgood Marshall. You know, um, he played uh, Jackie Robinson, you know, like, and he was, you know, the first black superhero, you know. And so it just seems like the, what an incredible career, a short-lived career, you know, um, for him. And so I think this would be yeah, a crowning achievement for him. So, um, again, bittersweet, but not undeserving, you know, so. Definitely. And 
you know, I think, uh, again, not nominated, but I, I actually thought it was a really, would have been a really interesting nomination had it happened was uh, actually, I think, his role in The Five Bloods, another one of his last movies I think was really powerful uh, because he sort of represented this beacon of um, camaraderie amongst that group. Anyway, that's all on the podcast. The Five Bloods got snubbed. Chadwick Boseman was awesome in it, uh, even though he's probably technically a supporting role. Uh, all right. So let's move on to our last two, our penultimate award we're talking about here. That is Best Actress in a Leading Role. We've got Viola Davis in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. We've got Andrew Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday. We've got Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand in Nomadland, and then Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. Lauren Chapman, what is your prediction here? This is actually, I should say, sorry, before we jump in, this is a category that I think has the most question marks around it. Uh, see, people, this is, seems to be the one people were debating the most online. So, sorry, Laurent, go ahead. No, absolutely. Um, this, I think all of the suspense that may not be with some of the other categories was just, you know, was concentrated in this one area. This is the one time, I think, in a long time that I have, I have, you know, no clue because... If you're looking at the way this was split, Viola Davis won the SAG Award, Andre Day in a very surprise win won the Golden Globe, uh, Francis McDormand won the BAFTA, and Carrie Mulligan won the Critics' Choice Awards. So there's literally a four-way tie here between all these women. If you're if you're placing bets, you, there's really no one you could you know uh, give all the momentum to. Viola Davis has won previously. Francis McDormand has won twice. Andre Day would be a first. You know um, she would be the second. African-American woman to win in the leading action. That's, that's, that's working in her favor. The only person I don't think has a strong chance here is Vanessa Kerr because she's won nothing up to this point. It's a really great performance and a really great film. Um, but if I'm going with my personal choice here, it would be Frances McDormand. I think she gave the best performance amongst these people. Um, it's a nuanced performance that I think, I think subtlety a lot of times gets, um, overlooked in this category. Um, but that being said, um, like Glenn Close, like Tony Collette, like some, like Julianne Moore at one point in time before she won hers, I have been wanting Carrie Mulligan to win an Oscar since she started her career with in education. Um, and I think she's turned in countless uh, incredible performances from Never Let Me Go to Shame, um, Drive, you know, there's just, there's some uh, wildlife, um, which was also shot here in Oklahoma. I've worked with her personally. She's a lovely human being. Um, and I think that she makes everything look effortless. And this was a character that was out of the norm for her in many ways. And I think she excelled very well. It's a compelling layered performance. Um, so again, not knowing at all who could possibly win this category. I'm going to go with Carrie Mulligan as my choice as the one here that doesn't have an award behind her belt and um, an Oscar award behind her belt um, and has the momentum to win. And, you know, against the others, I'm going to say Carrie Mulligan should and will win. So, okay. You're going to go will win. Okay. All right. All right. So here's where I differ. Carrie Mulligan is my choice. I think she's, she's my favorite performance. I, I just, again, the way you, everything you said, not going to repeat it. She just really turned in a performance that seemed a little out of her comfort zone that also 
had to look effortless. And again, the ability to juggle the 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 lighter sensibilities of the film with the heavier themes and those darker moments that she's forced to 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 be in in that movie, I just think all around pretty stellar. Yeah. Uh, so she's my choice, and I never it was for me it wasn't even it wasn't even a question. I think these are all great. I think Note Francis McDormand's very very good. It's a very uh, you know um, subdued performance, but also really really excellent. But I have to say, I have to go. I I know you're calling it a tie, but I, what I will say is, I think the SAG voting block is still the largest voting block. Uh, I think the Critics' Choice Awards, while myself uh, a registered member of a Critics Association, I don't think when it comes to the Academy Awards they matter outside of a little bit of media buzz. So I am going to say right now that Viola Davis is going to take home the gold based specifically on the fact that I think that there are more voters in the SAG block than I think the only other one that could give it a run for its money is the producing block uh, of voters. And um, so, yeah, I just would, I would be surprised if it went a different direction. I hope I'm wrong. Carrie Mulligan taking home the gold. I would be so happy because I and think I, it's a really awesome performance. And I need to, I, I want to make two small points here is that one, the one reason why I think it's been debated so much is that two of the performers that are in this category were not nominated for the SAG. And so Viola did win that category, but without the without competing against two, two of her, her contenders here. Um, so that's one of the things that's been debated. I, what you're saying is still valid because the SAG has the biggest voting pool, but I think she had more, more momentum in that category because they didn't have as many people uh, to, to compete for. So, but that's what makes this such an interesting category because even with that, if you take that element out of it, again, as I've gone through, each of them has something working in their favor in that regard, you know? So the only reason I'm going with Carrie Mulligan is because she has been on every list up to this point, uh, despite everything, you know? And so I, I think it, you know, the consistency is there with her, even though, she only won one of the categories, which is the Critics' Choice. I still feel like she might be the one who they, if you're if you're splitting hairs here and thinking to like, well, we should go with Viola, but we did just give it to her. Carrie Mullen doesn't have one. You know, it's just I don't know. And again, sure. it could go anyway. It could go anyway here. And I want to I want to go back and say that I said should and will win Carrie Mulligan. My personal favorite choice again was Fran- Francis McDormand. But I would be happy to see Carrie Mulligan win it this year for all the performances in previous to this and leading up to. So, okay, I, that's a great point about the the, the less competition in the SAG uh, awards. So, uh, we'll see. This is the one that's got the biggest question marks. Again, uh, my 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 heart is telling me Carrie Mulligan. My logic is telling me Viola Davis. So, if I was, I, I think if you were if you were hedging your bet your safest one would be Viola Davis. But that said, man, I really hope Carrie Mulligan takes it home. Yeah. I think it was a great performance. Okay. Absolutely. This brings us to our final category, LaRon best picture. Oh, best picture. So we have the nominations are the father, Judas and the black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, promising young woman, sound of metal, and the trial of the Chicago seven. This is a tough one. I think this is an outstanding group of films. I think Mank's actually the weakest link here. I, I and I, I think Mank's fine. Like it's not bad, but it's definitely the one where I'm just like, Ugh, I can yeah. take it or leave it. 
Uh, the rest of these films, though, I mean, these are all awesome, awesome movies. Like some of the like all timers in here. I again, Trial of the Chicago Seven. I don't know if it, it's certainly not uh, the best movie uh, that Aaron Sorkin's worked on, but I do think it's very good. Uh, Sound of Metal again, just a lot of stellar performances in there. Really compelling story, promising young woman. Um, we've already talked about you no, know, you know, Me Too era film has a lot to say, um, but also make you laugh a little bit. Nomadland, very important story. Minari, immigrant story. Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, a movie about racial injustice in it in a year where we, it's been on top of mind. Um, and then uh, the father, which I think is just tackling a a subject that's not often portrayed in film. So, I mean, overall, LaRon, tough one, but it's the moment of truth. Who do you think should win your personal choice? And who do you think will win? My favorite film this year was Nomadland and it stuck with me. And I, I, I think it was, um, I think it will be an American classic. I think it's something we'll look back at. I think it's a film that'll be studied. I think the very relaxed, vibe about it is what attracted to me you know the most about the film it's just how how easy the it is to get sucked into it um how absorbing of a film it is um the way they employed non-actors and made them feel organically a part of that world um and how francis mcdormand who is a well-known actress but fits seamlessly into that same space um and then just the beautiful landscape that it's shot under, you know, it just, it feels like an experience. I left it feeling like I had a, a much bigger appreciation for this and how they didn't view life, these nomads as, as living a life less, lesser than us, but appreciating kind of the simplicity of life. Um, and it just made me look at my own life a little bit differently, open my perspective. So I think it was the most moving film, and I think it's it has again. I think it has the most momentum um, of the night. I mean, it's it's won essentially every every award um, up to this point. So I think the momentum's there, but I think this is a strong list of films here. Uh, Sound of Metal's great. The Trial of the Chicago Seven and Judas and the Black Messiah are touching on topical issues, so they have that working in their favor. But I really think. Um, it'd be a safe bet to go with no man land for best picture. I agree. If you were a betting person uh, and you want to select the winner, I think nomad lands the safest bet. I think it has the best chance. Like uh, Laurent said, it's got the most momentum from all the other award shows. So I think nomad lands got this one fairly clinched. I would love to see a dark horse. I don't say loved. I'd be interested to see if a dark horse came out, which one it would be. My personal favorite is Minari. I love that movie. Again, I talked about it a little bit, but it's just a movie that I think really helped me see things a little differently than maybe I I would have previously. So, and uh, just the idea of uh, an immigrant story in America in the eighties, there's been a lot of anti-Asian sentiment lately that's led to, to violence against Asians. So I just think, again, this makes it a little more, important in that way just you know a story that's really trying to, to paint a different pr- uh, picture about people who had to sacrifice a lot and work very hard in order to just to get their family uh boots on the ground here in the united states so uh but i think nomadland is going to be the ultimate victor yeah i think i agree with you about minari i think minari is well i mean it's interesting to have been seeing this this um the onset of these stories from the asian perspective i mean you had a uh, parasite um, last year we had uh, the farewell, which kind of covers some similar ground there. 
so we've kind of been seeing this. I mean, we had, I mean, to a lesser extent, but I enjoyed it quite a bit, Crazy Rich Asians. You know, so there's there's been a lot of um, interest in this area and seeing more voices from this space, and I've enjoyed all of them. Um, and I think Minari, like you said, it's, it's a true American film and um, in a very unconventional point of view, you know. So um, if you were going with the film that kind of encompasses the year the most, if we're thinking from a cultural stamp, from the cultural aspect, I think that that would be a solid second choice as an upset. Um, but, and also just kudos to that, be all the people that worked on that here locally in Tulsa. Uh, it's just, it's great to see a movie of that caliber come out of your own home state. So, um, and to make it this far. So that's, that's, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. 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 Shout out to uh, all of our friends out there listening, uh, for the, the great work they did on Minari. Uh, it is an outstanding film and yeah, there's a little bit of that, uh, that perspective there to Leron. Like, Hey, they made the movie here. It'd be kind of cool to say we had an Oscar winning movie that came from Oklahoma. Uh, so yeah, anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, those are our Oscar predictions. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning in uh, to hear Laurent and I talk through each and every category. Laurent, before we we sign off for, for today, is there anything else you would like to add about this year's Oscars? Uh, watch them and so that the viewership can go back up and they can stop saying that the Oscars are in the tank and that no one cares about it because it's the highlight of my year. It's the Super Bowl of my year. And I, think, I do think it's very important I do think it brings up a lot of important discourses. Um, it opens our minds to different points of view, different walks of life. So tune in on Sunday and watch it. Um, I think it. I think that it's needed. Most definitely. I think the Oscars are just as relevant as they've ever been, uh, and I, I do hope that you'll tune in and uh, maybe enjoy uh, some Oscar-themed cake or something. Make sure to make, make an event of it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, to, to Lauren's point, and I alluded to this in the opening today, it really is like the Super Bowl for movie fans. I mean, come on. I mean, you can make bets. You can like really be personally invested in who wins and who, who doesn't. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting show. Now, Laron Chapman, where can our listeners keep up with you and your work online if they want to hear more of your thoughts on all the new movies coming out? They can follow me on Facebook um, and Letterboxd uh, under my name, Laron Chapman. I regularly post reviews. Um, they can also follow me on Twitter at the names Laron. All right. And of course, you can follow all of our work here on the Cinematic Schematic at thecinematropolis.com. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, tweeting about all things film, television, video games at C Masters Talk. That is letter C Masters Talk. Ladies and gentlemen, make those ballots. Get your uh, get your Oscar theme party or not. Not I hope it's not a big party, but, you know, Oscar themed evening ready to go uh, and enjoy a night celebrating movies. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll catch you again next time. <laughs>